So let's go ahead and um, anybody have a question this morning? Anybody have a question you'd like to ask this morning or anything at all? No questions? All right. Um, so we've been talking about um, the law, right? And um, we were looking at, obviously we know that God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. Um, and there were really three aspects of the law that God gave to Moses on Sinai. What were the three aspects of the law? Anybody remember what the three aspects of the law were? The three types of laws? Somebody give me one. Moral laws, right? What's another one? Civil laws, right? The civil laws about, um, you, know, you know, judgment and court and things like that. And then what was the third one? Ceremonial laws. The ceremonial laws about the sacrifices and things like this, okay? So there were three aspects to the law that God gave to the children of Israel. And obviously, we understand that um, uh, the ceremonial and uh, some of these uh, laws are, are not applied today. And again, these are specifically given to the Jews, right? Um, but when we think about the moral law, um, and we think about God's law, um, was God... And this is kind of where the question was brought about. Was God righteous and just to judge people before the law was given on Mount Sinai? And so for 2,000-some years before God gave the law to Moses, um, did people have the law? Um, Did they have God's law? And so we've been kind of going through this a little bit. And if you take your Bibles, open the book of Romans chapter 12. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 2, verse number 12. Sorry. Romans chapter 2, verse number 12. He says, For as many as have sinned without law shall also perish without law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, These, having not a law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So again, to the Jews, the law was very important, right? You had to keep the law. And specifically, we were talking about this, the the one law that was so specific that they really kind of put above every other law was what? Circumcision, right? Circumcision, because that's what made you a Jew. And, um, and when you think about it, the Jews were very prideful in being God's chosen people um, and thinking that they were the only ones that even could be saved and, and all these different things. And so circumcision was very important to them. And so, um, but God is saying if the Gentiles who didn't have the law, and of course the Gentiles, they didn't have circumcision, right? Circumcision was not given to the Gentiles, that was given to the Jews, Right? So if the Gentiles didn't have circumcision, but yet he says they are keeping the law, right? They're keeping the law, even though they're not circumcised. So if circumcision is part of the law, but yet he says the Gentiles are keeping the law, but they're not being circumcised, is that, is that a contradiction? 
No, it's not a contradiction. Why? Because there were different laws, right? Remember, we're talking about three different laws. There's the moral laws, the civil laws, and the ceremonial laws, okay? And so when he says that the Jews keep the laws, he's not talking about the ceremonial laws that were given to the Jews. He's talking about the moral laws that were given to the Jews, okay? They, they keep those laws, okay? Um, and this is what he says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. So we understand that God has, has written the law. There's a law in our heart, okay? And that is a law that has always been, okay? We cannot say that the, the law of Moses that was, you know, given on Mount Sinai, that's the first time that the law was given. That's the first time some of the ceremonial laws, right, and some of these civil laws were given, but it's not the first time that the moral laws were given, okay? So my, my challenge to you last week was to go through from basically through the book of Genesis up to um, Exodus chapter 20, where we have God giving the laws to Moses on Mount Sinai and seeing if you could find the laws in Genesis, before God gives them to Moses, right? So, somebody tell me, did you find a law? Did you do this? Or did you just say, pastor's going to tell us next week, so why even do it, right? Anybody? Extension on the homework. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, right? Because obviously before, before the fall, right? Did, again, think about this question. Did Adam and Eve know what was good and what was evil? Okay, how? If there was no evil... How did they know what was good and what was evil? Now, I didn't say your answer was wrong. What do you, what do you mean God told them? The, the tree? Okay, all right. So there was a law. That God said, do not eat of this tree, right? So already, even though... There is no evil present in the world, right? And this is why sometimes we, we can kind of misunderstand this. We can think, well, they didn't know good and bad. No, they knew what was wrong because God told them what was wrong. They just hadn't done it yet, right? They knew it was wrong. They just hadn't done it. God said, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So what is he doing? He's showing them good and evil. Now, just because you show somebody good and evil doesn't mean they have to do the evil, right? But they are aware of the difference. 
right? They're aware of it. And so God says, here is good, you obey me, don't eat the tree. Here is evil, you disobey me, and you eat of the tree, right? And so the good and evil are already understood by Adam and Eve. Now, they had not committed evil yet until they ate of the tree, but they understood that what it was, okay? So again, think about this. Um, and he says, The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil, and now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So not only did they understand good and evil, but now they had participated in this, right? They had actually committed evil. They had sinned against God, okay? Now watch, and this is something that I don't think a lot of times we understand. Why was it so important for Adam and Eve to be removed from the garden? I mean, if the rest of the world was still, you know, again, it wasn't just the garden that was beautiful. I believe the whole world was beautiful at this point, right? But why was it so important that God remove Adam and Eve from the garden? Joe, do you have... Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. But why did they have to be removed from it? Steve? Okay, all right. So can somebody expound on what he just said, the reason why? Rob? So if Adam and Eve would have been able to, and again, think about what he says here. The Lord God sent him from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he came, right? Um, at the end of verse number 22, sorry. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Now, again, think about what he's saying here. Was man created to live forever? Was man created to live forever? Yes, he was, right? So then why does it say that God would remove them from the garden lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever if man is already created to live forever? Again, I didn't say your answer was wrong, right? Miss Janet? Okay. Well, but everyone is going to live forever, though. Every, every person is going to live forever, right? We are, when, we are, when we are created, right, when Adam and Eve was created, and then every person that is born, again, this is why it doesn't matter if they're a baby or if they are 100 years old, right? Um, we're going to live forever. The Bible tells us that, right? We're going to live forever either in one of two places, in heaven or in hell, right? 
So then why does God say that he removed them? And notice specifically he says, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Ms. Donna? Okay. Right. So the reason why that God did not want them to eat of the tree of life would be if Adam and Eve would have ate from the tree of life, guess who would still be alive today? Adam and Eve would still be alive today. Right? Adam and Eve would still be alive today if they would have ate from the tree of life. Okay? And so God keeps them from eating from the tree of life. Again, they're going to live forever someplace, right? But this is why God said again, the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. We have to understand that many times when God uses death and life, he's not speaking physical like what we think physical. He's speaking spiritual, okay? Now, the physical is involved in that as well, right? Because when God said, the day that you eat of the tree, thou shalt surely die, did they die? Yes. They spiritually died. Again, what is death? Death means separation. Death does not mean ceasing to exist, right? Death is simply separation. So when Adam and Eve died the day that they ate of the tree, how did they die? It was spiritual, right? They were separated from God now, okay? They didn't physically die, although that is part of the curse and they're going to 930 years later for Adam, Right, but immediately that day there was a spiritual death. They are separated from God. Okay, remember we are made with three parts. What are the three parts? Okay, that's again we, we want to try to stay biblical in how we, we talk about things. As a, as the what does the Bible say? How does the Bible describe it? Spirit, soul, and body. Right. I know a lot of times we say body, soul, and spirit. But the way the Bible describes it is spirit, soul, and body. Why? Because that's how God works through the spirit, soul, and body. Bodies always last. Man puts body first. Okay? God says, I want to work through your spirit. And if God can work in your spirit, then he can control your soul, which is your mind, your will, your intellect, your emotions. And then if he can control your spirit and your soul, he has no problem controlling your body. Well, what happens when we are separated from God spiritually, right? Now God is not able to work through our spirit. So guess what's in control? The body, the flesh, right? That's why Paul speaks so much about the flesh and the spirit. Walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? So we're created spirit, soul, and body, okay? Adam and Eve, spirit, soul, and body. When they ate of the fruit, they were separated from God. Their spirit right, is now separated from God, okay? We would say death. Again, but when we think of death, we think of something dying or stopping to exist. They didn't stop having their spirit. They still have their spirit. It's just separated from God, right? Now God is not able to commune with them anymore. Now it's, he's totally separated from them, okay? But they still have their soul and their body. And so God says, look, if they eat of the tree of life, their bodies will live forever, okay? And so God says we need to keep them from eating of the tree of life. So he removes them from the garden. He puts an angel there at the tree of life to keep them from it so that they cannot eat of it. Again, just imagine, and, and 
can, can you imagine even the, that 930 years that Adam lived? How many times he must have looked at what was going on around and said, if we just wouldn't have ate that fruit. When he sees his own son murder his son, if we just wouldn't have eaten that fruit. When he sees, again, remember, 930 years. You say, Pastor, you really believe he lived 930 years? Absolutely. Why do you believe that, Pastor? Because God said it. God said it. That's why I believe it. You say, well, that's just not possible today. Yeah, today it's not, right? We're not talking about today. We're talking about 6,000 years ago, okay? For 930 years, every time something bad happens, Adam and Eve are being constantly reminded, this is because of our sin. This is because of our sin. Can you imagine having to go through that for 6,000 years? God allowing their physical bodies to die is mercy. God was being merciful to Adam and Eve in not allowing them to eat of the tree of life so that their bodies could die. Now, again, we understand one day God is going to resurrect us, right? He's going to resurrect the body, okay? But God was showing mercy to them in letting them experience physical death or they would still be alive today seeing every single thing that is happening in the world. I don't mean every single thing. They're not omnipresent. But I'm just saying they're experiencing everything that's happening. And that is going to be a constant reminder of what they did 6,000 years ago. Right? Look, can you, can you imagine if, if you had to constantly... Re, and in some of us, you know, uh, you can experience that. You remember what you did 20 years ago and you're like, oh, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that 20 years ago. And you see the effects of that now because of what you did 20 years ago or 30 years ago or 40 years ago, right? Or two years ago. Can you imagine having to constantly be reminded of what you did hundreds of years, 200 years, 300 years, 500 years, 900 years, 6,000 years? And so God was merciful in allowing their physical body to experience death, that separation, Okay, right? Um, And so we understand that God removes them from the garden so that they um, will physically die. They're already spiritually dead, right? Now, of course, we know that God, um, he shows them how to, uh, if we could say, be spiritually alive again, right? He says, hey, you're going to have to offer a sacrifice, The sacrifice is a picture of the one that's going to come in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He talks about the deliverer, the seed of the woman who's going to come, speaking about the virgin birth, and through the sacrifices that they offer, the blood sacrifice, it's showing a picture of Jesus Christ and their faith that what God said is true and that they believe that one day the deliverer is going to come, right? So there there was God made a way just for us today, when we are born, we are born spiritually dead. But when we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, then he makes us alive. Our spirit is now reunited with God's spirit. Okay? Now we are, again, we're, we're spiritually alive. He talks about that in Ephesians chapter 2. Okay? Um, and so for, but for a lost person, they're spiritually dead. Until they accept Christ as their Savior, then they're spiritually alive. 
Okay? And then, of course, when we die physically, right, our body, right, our soul and our spirit are simply separated from our body. Okay? But we are created to live forever. One of two places, heaven or hell. Right? But God allowed Adam and Eve to die, he says, lest they live forever. Not spiritually speaking, but physically speaking, lest they live forever. Because they would still be alive today if they would have ate of that tree of life. Okay? Um, I'm not really sure how we got on that. Um, I think because we were looking there at verse number 22. Yeah. All right. Um, so any, where, else, where else in the first 2,500 years before God gives the law to Moses, where do we find, where can we find God's law? And I think I told you last week, if you can go through, you can actually find where um, we can actually see all of what we would say the moral laws. We can see all of the Ten Commandments hundreds of years, thousands of years before God ever gave them to Moses on Mount Sinai to Israel. Right? Because, again, if that was the first time that God has given the law was to Moses on Mount Sinai, then how was God able to bring judgment on people before that? Right? Remember, the wages of sin is death. Well, how do we know what sin is? Sin is the transgression of the law. What law if there's no law? So there had to be a law for God to be just and righteous to be able to bring judgment, right? So do we find in the, the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, through uh, before we get to Exodus chapter 20, can we find these laws, right? Well, let's go to Exodus chapter 20 real quick. Exodus chapter 20, right? This is where we would say God is giving the laws to Moses on Mount Sinai, right? It says in verse number 1, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, am the Lord thy, or for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, uh, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. 
right? So this is what we would say most people refer to as the Ten Commandments, okay? So can we find these, what we would say the moral laws, right? Can we find these before God gives them here to Moses on Mount Sinai? Ms. Leslie? Right, okay. So talking about Cain um, with dealing with, with murder, which is the sixth commandment, right? Thou shalt not kill. Again, that word kill there uh, has to do with murder. That's taking innocent life, okay? There, we're not to murder. We're not to take someone's, um, someone's life um, that is just innocent. That's, that's murder, right? Um, again, go back to Genesis chapter 4. Let's see if we can see this here. Genesis chapter 4. Notice in verse number 6. And the, Lord God, and the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou, what is that next word? Cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Okay, now wait a minute. Again, how could God judge... Cain for murder if the law that says thou shalt not murder wasn't given until Moses gave it on Mount Sinai. Because that wasn't the first time God gave it, right? Again, this is something that God has said that that every that this is written on their heart. Okay? Cain knew it was wrong to kill his brother. Right? He knew it was wrong. Okay? Um you say, well, we don't, we don't find anywhere in Scripture where God says, thou shalt not kill until, Genesis, uh, until Exodus chapter 20. Well, that's fine. We don't have to find every word that God has ever spoken. But as we read Scripture, we can understand that there is something that God has given. Okay? And man is accountable to that, right? Um, I, I love this. I was just uh, going through this with somebody this week. Go to the book of Job, right? This is one of, my, uh, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, and it really has to do well with today. Uh, in Job chapter 19, 
right? Job chapter 19. Now, what's so interesting about the book of Job? Brother Rob? Job is the, the first book that was written. Now, not chronologically. Obviously, we understand chronologically Genesis was. But we believe that Job was written shortly after the flood. So Job was written before Moses was ever born, right? Job was alive. And this book was written. Of course, even through the book of Job, we find about dinosaurs and things being with man. Yes, we believe dinosaurs and man live together, right? Um, Dinosaurs are not billions and billions of years old, right? Uh, God created them on part of creation, okay? Um, and, uh, And Job speaks about those, right? But the thing that's so interesting about the book of Job is that if this was the first book that was written, that we have recorded of written scripture, what does that mean about Job? About Job the man? He was pre-law, yes. No, yes, he was pre-law. Job? Okay, keep, keep going with that thought, right? If this was the first book that was written of written scripture. What didn't he have? He didn't have written scripture. He didn't have the Bible. Job had no Bible, right? He had no written scripture. Job is the first book that we have of written scripture, right? Then, a couple hundred years later, Moses comes along on the scene, and God gives him Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, and then you have Joshua, so then all this comes on. Job is the first book of written scripture. So there is no written scripture before Job. Everybody follow me? Okay, now watch this. Are you ready for this? Do you know that Job celebrated Easter? Well, he didn't call it Easter. But Job celebrated Easter. Are you ready for this? Watch this. This is amazing. Job chapter 19, verse number 25. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. You know what Job just said? He believed in the resurrection. Wait a minute. Jesus hasn't even died yet. He hasn't even died yet. And what does Job say? He says, I know that after my skin, worms destroy this body. What's he talking about? Death. He's talking about his physical body dying, being put in the ground, and the worms eat it, and it turns back to dust. But then what does he say right after that? Yet in my flesh shall I see God. What is that? That's the resurrection. That's Easter. The resurrection. He says, I, and watch what he says. I know that my redeemer liveth. Job knew he was a sinner. Wait, how did Job know he was a sinner? There was no law written down to tell him that he was a sinner. He didn't have the law of Moses. 
He didn't have those laws written down until hundreds of years later. So how did Job know he was a sinner? How did Job know that he needed a redeemer? How did Job know about the resurrection? How did he know those things? Well, there's nothing to tell us that, that, that it was written down. So, so that must mean that Job didn't know any of those things. No, he just said he knew them. How? Look, friend, I have no idea how. I wasn't there. I don't know what, what Job had. I don't know if it was Noah that talked to Job and said, hey, Job, man, I'm telling you, man, this flood and, 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 and God's grace and, and God says he's going to send a deliverer. And, and I don't know how Job found this out. But somehow, Job, there was no doubt in his mind that he knew he was a sinner. He knew that one day his body was going to die. And he knew that one day it was going to be resurrected again. Resurrection. I know that. And watch what he says. Yet in my flesh shall I see God whom I shall see for myself. And mine eyes shall behold not another. Man, you think Job was excited about that day? I think he was a little excited about that. He said, yeah, look, I know I'm going to experience death, but that's all right. Because there's something after death. It's called the resurrection. And I know one day I'm going to see my redeemer. I know he's alive. Wait a minute. His redeemer was alive. Jesus didn't come for another thousand years. Yeah, he was alive. He's everlasting from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. It's Jesus Christ. Job understood this. Look, friend, we have, we have the word of God and we can go to it and we can read it and we can, we can study it. But Job says, hey, let me tell you something. I don't have 66 books of the Bible. I don't have 39 of the Old Testament and 27 of the New Testament. But let me tell you what I do know. I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know one day I'm going to die. But I know one day I'm going to be resurrected. And I'm going to see in my flesh and with my eyes, I'm going to see my God. That's the resurrection. That's Easter. Job knew that. He had absolute confidence in this. No doubt in his mind. See, there are some things that we're just never going to be able to know, right? How did Job know those things? We don't know. We don't know if Noah talked to him. We don't know if, uh, if Enoch maybe wrote some things down or Noah wrote some things down and, and Job was able to read it or talk to somebody or whatever. We don't know. We don't, I have no idea. But what we do know is that he believed it. And the same thing, when we think about this, going back to Genesis chapter 3 or Genesis chapter 4 again, God says in verse number, um, in verse number 11, and thou art cursed. God could not have cursed Cain if he did not know he was doing wrong. Could not have cursed him. He could not have judged him if he did not know he was doing wrong. And so even though we can say, well, you know, there's nowhere between verse number five where God rejects Cain's offering and verse number uh, uh, 11 where he's cursed, there's nowhere that says that God said, don't murder. That's all right, friend. We don't have to know or we don't have to see that God told Cain specifically, don't murder. But we know that he knew it. We know that he knew 
that murder was wrong. He knew that. If he didn't, if he didn't know murder was wrong, why is he trying to deny what he did? Why is he trying to cover it up? Cain, where's your brother? You asking me? Am I my brother's keeper? Why is he trying to cover it up if he didn't know it was wrong? He knew it was wrong. Corey? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yes, I mean, there, there, there are, there's many laws that we can find. Specifically, I was just challenging you to, to, to try to find the Ten Commandments, right? And again, we're talking about one right here. This is commandment number six, not to murder, right? And again, what, what Corey just said, if you go to Genesis chapter, um, well, just go to chapter six real quick with me. We've only got a couple minutes left. Chapter six. Verse number five. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Right? What do you think man's thoughts were if they were only evil continually? Again, think about it. What is it that brings murder? What is it that causes someone to murder? They don't just wake up one day and think, oh, I think I'm going to murder somebody today. No. It's the thoughts. They have been thinking about it. Right? If you were here for our men's prayer breakfast yesterday, we talked about this. Right? Temperance. Okay? It's the thoughts constantly thinking about this. And then what happens? Our thoughts are then put into action, causing someone to murder, right? In verse number 11, what does he say? The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say there was probably murders being taken place. When you have every thought, evil, violence filling the earth... I'm going to say there's probably some murders taking place, okay? And then go to Genesis chapter 9. This is where Corey was at just a moment ago. In Genesis chapter 9, this is after the flood, and now Noah and them are coming off the ark. What does he say in, in verse number 5? He says, And surely your, the, your blood of your lives will I require, at the hand of every beast will I require, and at the hand of man, and at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed, for in the image of God made he man. So again, now we actually have something written down that God actually said not to murder. But this is more not so much about the first time God says to murder. This deals with what? What would we call this today? What's that? Okay, maybe an eye for an eye. We have another term in our society today. Capital punishments. It's capital punishment, right? God says, if you kill someone, you deserve to die. That's it. You take someone's life, and, and, and we're talking about innocent, okay? We're not talking about defending yourself or defending your family. That's not what we're talking about, okay? We're talking about murder. You just simply, you want to murder somebody, um, you know, you just hate this person, or you want what they have, or whatever it is, and you just go out and murder someone, God says, you deserve to die. I didn't say that, friend. God did. 
God said that, right? Surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require. At the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood by man shall his blood be shed. Why? Because God says we're created in the image of God. He doesn't want us taking innocent life. Doesn't want us to take innocent life. Doesn't want us to commit murder. Okay? And so God says this is now. He's putting a law into place of what is we refer to as capital punishment. Okay? That's capital punishment, right? Um, so we've seen, uh, at least I think you've seen, uh, one of the commandments, the sixth commandment, um, here in the book of Genesis before Exodus chapter 20. All right? So again, I would encourage you this week, try to find some others throughout the book of Genesis things. There's, they're all there. I'm just going to tell you that. They're all there. Okay? Um, but try to find them. Right? I don't want to do the work for you. Okay. I had to do the work for myself, right? You, you do some of it too, okay? Um, help me out here, all right? Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, we ask you to just bless in the service to follow. Again, thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate the resurrection. And uh, Lord, what a, what a statement by Job. I know that my Redeemer liveth. And Lord, we know that our Redeemer lives today as well. And Lord, I pray that you would just work in the service. And if there might be someone today that does not know Jesus as their Redeemer, that they would put their faith and trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, please try to sit to the front. Try to leave the rows open in the back that say row reserved, and that way we have some uh, extra seating for folks, and try to squeeze in as much as possible. I'm sure we'll have a full, uh, full house today.